For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're live. We are live. Welcome to the Wrestling Inc. podcast. We are doing a breaking news pod, ladies and gentlemen. I uh, wish we were here under better circumstances, uh, but WWE has made a lot of profile, high-profile cuts. Uh, WWE has announced the release of Braun Strowman, Aleister Black, Lana, Ruby Riot, Buddy Murphy, and Santana Garrett. Uh, they are all no longer with WWE. Uh, there's speculation that Braun Strowman's contract had to do with his release as he was reportedly making around a million dollars a year. He recently re-signed with WWE in 2019. Aleister Black was just featured in the main event segment, Kicking Big E, uh, on Friday Night SmackDown. And we did not see him this past Friday, which was a surprise to a lot of people, but he is now gone as well. So a lot of big names who have been cut. We'll get into all the storylines and narratives that come with that. But first of all, Chuck, what do you think about the, these big releases? You know, I'm I'm surprised that they weren't made a little bit earlier. This is the second wave of cuts coming off of WrestleMania. Why wait a week or two in between cuts? Why not just do everything in one lump sum? I think from a morale standpoint for the talent that's still there, this is really going to throw a bucket of cold water on them and shake things up. A lot of these names that you just mentioned today are ones that are complete surprises. And as we know, as has been reported throughout the day, a lot of these talents were also completely blindsided excited by the fact that they were getting pink slip today. So uh, I'm really surprised at the timing of these. I think that it's really a, a bad decision, but I also think that it's indicative that this is kind of maybe not something that WWE was planning even as recently as a couple of weeks ago. And there may be something else behind that. And we can speculate to that in just a little bit. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to Chuck's point, I mean, Braun Strowman was just wrestling for the WWE, you know, championship just a few weeks ago um, or the Universal, whichever one it was. Um, and, you know, was in a featured spot at WrestleMania, beat Shane McMahon in the steel cage. This time last year, he was WWE Universal champion. Uh, Lana, she had re-signed, I believe it was last year. It was either last year or two years ago. Uh, a, a pretty big deal. Uh, Ruby Riot had, you know, kind of been featured on TV. Aleister Black, you mentioned, you know, they just a week and a half ago he was on SmackDown. So these were cuts that were, you know, um, freeing up quite a bit of money. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just surprising because Braun had been so heavily featured. He had been a top guy for so long or near the top uh, that it, it just makes you wonder what, you know, is it just you know uh they're them touring again and they're um they're trying to 
make the bottom line look better? Is it is there more to that? And and that definitely has a lot of people talking right now. But uh, pretty surprising, I thought, uh, this round of cuts. Uh, much more than the first round, which was a lot of talent that weren't being used or, or heavily featured. Yeah, and uh, what's been kind of a theme of a lot of these cuts is the surprise, like you guys kind of mentioned. And especially within WWE, there are reports that the creative team was told to stop giving pitches uh, for Aleister Black, and they didn't know why. And Aleister Black himself was very surprised. And this seems like a case which is very common in WWE of one hand not knowing what the other is doing in terms of there's a financial element to WWE, and they clearly have their plans under a new regime with Nick Khan. And the creative side just isn't clued in probably until the last minute. Maybe because they don't want things getting out. They don't want names getting out and stuff like that. But there's clearly two different things going on. And we have speculated and kind of hinted toward if there's something bigger toward this. And obviously, this has led to natural speculation that WWE is preparing the company for a sale. Now, this really, even though it is a sexy storyline, shouldn't come as that much of a surprise that maybe they're preparing this for a sale. Of course, this is all just speculation at the time being. But if you remember when NBC Universal bought Peacock, that now meant that NBC Universal airs Raw. They air NXT, and they also have WWE Network. So that fourth piece of the puzzle, SmackDown, is all they need for them to essentially have WWE, which led to speculation that they're going to buy the company. With these cuts now, there's even more of that speculation. So, uh, Chuck, what do you think about the talk of WWE possibly being up for sale with the next year? Look, I think where there's smoke, there's fire. And for years, McMahon has said, quote, we're open for business uh, with regards to a potential sale. So you know that that's been on their radar for some time. And look, I can tell you from experience, not on the wrestling side, but certainly on the mega entertainment side, having worked in radio for much of my career, working for what was then Clear Channel at the time, later became iHeart, um, when they were getting ready to be taken private. And the massive cuts that were made all across the country at all of these radio stations. I mean, they got us down to the bare bones. We are talking about people behind the scenes, which we saw at WWE, pared them down, had people double, sometimes triple up on the workload, the people that were left behind, took talent that was on the air for years and years and years and years, took their jobs away and replaced them with talent from other markets who just basically voice tracked that in, right? So somebody from Minneapolis could be doing shows here in Washington, D.C., right? So really just getting it down to the bare bones. And then it was within a month or two that the company was taken private and it would eventually become iHeart. But what that does is, back to my point about low morale, is there is going to be a paranoid culture right now in WWE. Everybody will be walking on eggshells. Am I next? I don't know. There's a very good chance that I could be. Look, we just saw these cuts today that probably came... Uh, very quickly out of the blue, maybe they reevaluated their numbers after making that first round of cuts to employees and talent and say, hey, well, we got to trim a little bit more. So let's go ahead and get rid of these guys. Well, what's to say they're not going to trim a little bit more after that? That also happened when I was with Clear Channel. So uh, I'm walking on eggshells. I think where there's smoke, there's fire. And just based off of what I have been through personally, I really do think that this is setting it up for an acquisition, whether it's NBC Universal or someone else. Yeah, no one in WWE has said anything to suggest that. But these appear to be the actions of a company doing it. And look, corporate mergers are the uh, the story of the day. I mean, everyone's getting acquired by someone else. We just had Warner Media and Discovery. Um, you know, clearly, I mean, it was reported at the time when the UFC sale happened that People in WWE were paying close attention. You got Nick Khan, who's great at these deals. Now, you know, mm -hmm. here's a big thing. 
is that next year is kind of when WWE is going to start renegotiating their TV deals. The new ones had kicked in 2019, but you start negotiating, you know, well before that. And they were actually announced in 2018. Um, So, they're probably going to get a rights increase. And this was something Nick Khan has said before, that what you're seeing now is the big the big brand names getting bigger and bigger contracts, and then the smaller names kind of disappearing into the weeds and because you're not having enough money for the smaller companies because of the big companies getting those big contracts. So if WWE is getting an increase from NBC... Right now, I, I, I don't have the exact number on hand. We'll just say 250, uh, 250 million that. per year for Raw, uh, another 200 per year for Peacock. You know, that's half a billion almost right there. And then SmackDown, you know, is another 220 for Fox. So you're you're talking about 600 and something that they're you know that it's currently worth. And if you see an increase, uh, so you go from seven to let's like, let's say nine. That's almost a billion dollars right there. UFC was sold for, I believe, $4 billion. Sounds right. So if you know NBC were able to get WWE for that same price, it would pay itself off well before the next round of television negotiations were to begin again in, the, in that five-year span. And they'd have SmackDown and, and own it all. So after that, it's just all you know pure gravy or even before that. So... It's, yeah. you know, it's always made sense for someone like an NBCU or even a Fox if they did want to bring on Raw. Um, and and I, I don't know how you'd move the network from Peacock. But, um, yeah, it, it it definitely looks like it. And this is what it looks like. Com- you know, it's what companies do before a big sale is, to, you know, kind of cut the fat, um, improve your bottom line and and, you know, just show how profitable you are. Yeah. And in the climate that we're in, in the situation that NBC Universal is in, regardless of any speculation of a sale, it just wouldn't make economic sense for them to jump right back into the rights negotiation and try to outbid Fox. The economic sense would be, let's just buy this company because it would cost them money. If there is going to be a right increase, I think, just seeing what NHL got and their ratings are struggling worse than WWE, seeing that NHL got that big increase, like WWE is going to be in the market for another pay raise with all these streaming services out there. And I do think that if NBC Universal is going to want Raw and NXT, which I know they will, it just makes sense to buy the company because they're going to save way more money long-term, to Roger's point. Uh, we now have a super chat in front of the show, Justin Lopez. He says, could Braun have restructured his contract like NFL players do to save cap space? He would have to agree, but it's better than being cut. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I was wondering about that earlier today. Why don't they approach these guys and and ask to restructure the deals? That's not something I've personally ever heard of in in, in wrestling. But you, you know, never say never. Um, I think though, had some talent been approached about taking pay cuts, uh, that would have gotten out by now. And I also think that talent is very hip to the amount of money that the company is making. So it, think about this from this perspective, right? Put yourself in a position of working for a multi-billion dollar, highly profitable company and your boss coming to you saying, hey, we're making budget cuts. Would you be willing to take a pay cut? And that way we can keep your you can keep your job. Otherwise, you know, we're going to go ahead and release you. Right. That would be a huge slap across the face. In this case, I don't see that happening personally. Yeah. WWE's MO has usually been cut the guy or or, or gal and. You just bring them back later if you if you want. You know, it's not uh, 
it's not to renegotiate, restructure deals. The only time I've ever heard of that happening, a wrestler saying that happened, was Bret Hart in 97 when yeah. WWE was in financial trouble back then. And they had Bret Hart signed to that big deal. Vince, at one point, was trying to get him to restructure it before outright letting him out of the deal. So outside of that time, I've never heard of them uh, going to a talent restructuring. You, you've seen, though, in the past where they release someone and bring him back, you know, not that long after. Sure. And I could see this happening with the Braun Strowman type just because he's so associated with WWE. But let's get into that side of this conversation. Of course, one of the big talking points coming out of all these releases, Tony Khan started trending on Twitter. Uh, you know, Vince started trending on Twitter. So now there's all this conversation of who can go where and whatnot. Uh, where do you guys see? We'll start with you, Chuck. Where do you guys see certain guys ending up? Who would you like to see in AEW coming from these cuts? Uh, well, the first name that jumps out uh, to me from these cuts is not Braun Strowman. It's not going to be Lana. I'm looking right at Aleister Black going to AEW or even Ring of Honor. I I, I think that he's more suited uh, talent-wise to fit that kind of a roster. I really think that the rest of the crew uh, is really – I mean, they've just got WWE by and large written all over them. I mean – where else do they go? They don't fit the typical mold for an AEW or elsewhere. So uh, Strowman's really going to need to reinvent himself if he wants to move on and find a place in another company. Uh, but of those names that was released today, I'd be highest on Aleister Black personally. Yeah, and Anthony Young bringing up that today is June 1st. 90 days from now would be September 2nd. Hey, I love it. Today's June 2nd, actually, but uh, I, I see where you're going with that. Yeah, 90 days from now would be... Uh, September 2nd. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, what we've seen is people going from WWE to AEW. It really hasn't made much of a difference right now. Pretty, uh, you know, Moxley was a big deal. Jericho, obviously signing all those early signings were, but since then we haven't seen someone come in and really change numbers that much. You know, Sting was a big deal when he first came in and then it just went back to where they were. There's a lot of great talent. Uh, AEW has so many people right now um, that there are a few. Aleister Black being one, Samoa Joe, I could see fitting in really well in AEW, but they have a ton of people. You know, you got Lana, Peyton Royce, who are um, married to to people in AEW, but at some point, you know, they've got to <laughs> they've got to keep track of their own current talent too, and keeping them happy because the more talent they bring in, that's less. Uh, TV time for the ones that are currently there. The more talent they begin, that's less TV time. There's also more egos in the professional wrestling business, which is going to be great for their locker room. And to be honest, if we're going to play this game, and if there are anybody, if there's two people who I think should go from WWE to AEW out of those who have been cut, it's Braun Strowman and Lana. Okay, those are the two people I want to see in AEW. And let me tell you why. I know it's crazy. I'm looking in the chat. I'm looking on Twitter. Everybody wants to see Aleister Black in AEW. AEW has enough workers. They've got enough guys who can give them great matches. They've got enough guys who do give them great matches. And Aleister Black is just another guy who can give them a great match, which is not going to expand the purview of AEW. We're going to get into the viewership numbers that they did this past Friday. We're going to get into what AEW's audience is right now. It's sub one million. Like, this audience needs to grow. And they're doing a good job with young people and whatnot. But I think a Braun Strowman type would make a splash in AEW just because he's Braun Strowman. He's a guy from WWE. There's better stories to be told. Like, Another guy who can have great matches is not what AEW needs. Not at all. Not in the least. Like, I could easily see Aleister Black disappearing in AEW. Braun Strowman, not so much. Not only because it would be that narrative of a WWE guy in AEW, 
AEW's got all these monsters. I've been saying since they brought that FTW championship, that should be a super heavyweight title. They've got Wardlow. They've got Brian Cage. They've got Jake Hager. They've got uh, Powerhouse Hobbs. They've got Mark Henry now to train a lot of these big guys. So Braun Strowman coming in there to lead and, and be in this monsters division, I think would be great for AEW. Like, I think we need to think outside the box as to who Tony Khan brings in. Otherwise, they're all going to run together. And Aleister Black is not going to get people under the TV set in terms of people who stop watching wrestling, I don't think. No, I, I got you. So here's my question, right, is, is you have to weigh this. Bringing in Braun Strowman, if you're AEW, you know is going to piss off a certain segment of your fan base, right? So how many of them are going to be pissed off and tune out because you bring in a WWE guy versus how many people are going to come in from WWE to see Braun Braun Strowman, right? Does that weigh itself out? And also, let's be honest with ourselves. Can Braun reinvent himself, come up with another character that would be more suited to the AEW style here? Not saying that it's he's going to be completely different, but certainly certain aspects of what he's been doing are going to need to change in order for him to fit in there. So those are the two things that that I'm wondering. And, and I'm just I see where you're going with this, but you were just talking about Sting, you know, having that short-term boost, but not a long-term payoff. I really think in his case, it would be much of the same. Look, I, I, I definitely see where you're coming from, Alfred. I think that would be Braun's first appearance would be the most uh, uh, remote changing, you know, appearance that you could probably have. That would be the most interesting, I guess. Um, I think Samoa Joe could be another after Braun. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean, I I, I don't see um, I, I don't see any reason not to you know try him out. Um, AEW hasn't hasn't done the best job with monsters. I agree. Like, they come in and they get beaten pretty quickly. I'd be worried that Cody's beating Braun, you know, a, a month and a half in. But he, dude, the guy is you know when he, people forget he was like the hottest guy in the industry three years ago when he was in that feud with yeah. Roman Reigns. Um, he had that charisma. He had that danger aspect. They just totally uh, toned him down over the past couple of years. I thought even though he became WWE Universal Champion last year, it was one of the worst years for him uh, since that big push. So. You know, I'm 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 all for seeing what AEW could do with them. I think it'd be I think it'd be really interesting. And one of the few people in WWE over the past few years, because WWE is brand first. No one guy or girl can draw these numbers consistently. But one of the few people who did, and it didn't last very long, but it was Braun Strowman at his peak in 2016, 2017. He was translating to higher numbers on Raw. Fairly consistently, especially with all those social media clips that he did, which did really good on YouTube, have been pushing stuff over. So I'm sure there have been people in the last three years who have left WWE who remember that kind of brief time where this monster was killing everybody and said, oh, that guy's with AEW right now. Let me check this out. In addition, I did mention Lana. I just think Lana and Mira would be great together. I mean, I just think it's kind of a no-brainer. I would like to see a married couple on TV in terms of that personally, but I do think Lana and Rusev are such a great act that if they just go back to basics, I think Tony Khan would know exactly what to do with these two. Would I you did. would you put her back in the Russian accent though, taking them all the way back to the beginning, what really clicked and put her on the map? I don't think you can do that with what Rusev is doing right now, and he's playing this best man character, and it's actually working and clicking really well. If for him to just have Lana by his side as his wife and they don't do too much with it, I think it would be great. It's kind of like an accent. Yeah, um, I think Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to read this uh, super chat, uh, and then we can get back to you, Raj. Caught Alistair Black's live stream on Twitch. He said he wasn't mad about the release, and he can wait. He can't wait to get back to work September second with a big company. Interesting. Uh, back to you, Raj. 
Yeah. Uh, well, well, about uh, Lana, uh, that was the hottest he was when she was doing the when they were doing the Drago, uh, the Drago stuff from Rocky Four that that act. But uh, you know, the genie's kind of out of the bottle on that. Everyone knows she doesn't have an accent. I think, especially <laughs> AEW, they you know they have so many of the internet fans that uh, it it wouldn't work. But I, you know, I I kind of like Miro by himself right now. I think he's doing great. Um, but you know, I Lana really added a lot to his character. I thought they split him up for no reason. Uh, it didn't lead to bigger and better things for either of them. It wasn't like they had a split in mind and something big for one of them. Uh, they they just both fizzled, and that seems to be, you know, par for the course up and down. You know, uh, WWE for years. You know, when they split the iconics up and, and right. both just ended up off TV. Or Shelton and uh, Cedric right now we're seeing, and it doesn't seem like they have big plans for either. So. Uh, I th- I think it'd be you know again we'll have to see you don't you don't want your product to seem like a bunch of ex WWE guys yeah. either. Yeah, absolutely. I really think that, and I think like the paranoid person within me is thinking that like WWE is starting to release all these talent, hoping that AEW starts signing away some of their guys, paying more money for some of the guys, then kind of ruining their product by branding it as WWE light. AEW does not want to fall into that trap. In the least, I would have no problem they, with AEW signing zero people from this roster. Yeah, I mean, there are guys that could fit in, but I, you know, I think AEW—they've done a great job of of having their product look different than WWE. That was a problem with Impact all the time, was they were trying more and more to look like WWE from the set to the to the lights to having GMs to you know, like everything WWE did is what Impact was doing. It's like they were living in their in that universe as opposed to creating their own. And so, I mean, they could easily bring in talent and, and not make it feel like WWE light, but there, there comes a limit at some point as well. I, yeah, and, and so here's the, here's the thing. I think that the timing of this is a little bit unfortunate given the fact that you just brought in Big Show. You just brought in Mark Henry. You just brought in Christian Cage. So there has been a string recently of former WWE guys coming in. However, with this particular crew and even the crew that was released just after WrestleMania, there's still that 90-day window. And I think what that first wave probably has like 70, 60 days, something like that currently on there. So there's still going to be this time that will kind of freshen it up if they do, in fact, go over to AEW. At the same time, though, you do run that risk of having retreads. However, let us also not forget that AEW has another show that will be premiering in the fall, and they need to fill in uh, a little bit, uh, some more roster spots as well. So there could be an opening there as well that would at least soften the blow for those critics who say, hey, don't shove WWE down our throats. We came here for an alternative, and this is what you're giving us? That's not cool. So, again, you got to weigh it. There's a lot of factors at play here, but I do see some of the people going over it just need a little bit a little bit of time just need some time and kind of to that point with AEW having their own shows you know wwe is going back to touring so it doesn't seem like the kind of yeah. the, the time where you'd want to lose your top a uh, top guy like braun um you know who can you know help move tickets who could help uh maybe make a little bit of a difference on these shows you know when you need main eventers they don't have that many right now and uh braun is someone that's easily uh you can easily put up at that level so the timing is just, it's just weird. Granted, he had a big contract. WWE is making more money now than ever. So it, it just doesn't seem like that should be much of a concern unless, again, they're trying to um, uh, improve that bottom line for a reason. 
And that seemed that way for literally a month now. This is our fourth consecutive week talking about cuts. Four weeks ago, it was those main roster cuts led by Billy Kay and Samojo. Three weeks ago, they made NXT cuts. Last week, they made as many as 60 uh, front office cuts when they were merging and putting things together. And this week, here we are again talking about more main roster cuts. Uh, we do have some love for Ruby Riot, DV Acme. It says uh, for $5, AEW, AEW needs to sign Riot immediately. She's a proven locker room leader, on-screen talent, and she'd be an amazing trainer. I happen to agree. I could see her being a big asset to that division. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, she, she's another name that could definitely slide in right there. Matter of fact, I think that she's pretty versatile, maybe even more so than we realize. I can see her also doing okay in Impact or Ring of Honor, uh, as a matter of fact. So I think that she's she's going to be one that's going to be sneakily okay, if that's even a term here. I'm going to say she's sneakily okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it looks like we have another one for um, Stella Justin Lopez. Uh, he says, what booking decision killed Braun the most? Losing to Brock with one F5 or teaming with Nicholas at WrestleMania? Let me just say, before you guys answer, I was in the building for when he teamed with Nicholas. It was easily the biggest pop of the night is Braun <laughs> and Nicholas. That crowd loved that more than anything else on the show. So I don't think it was that, but I'll let you guys know what were some of the places uh, that they went wrong with Braun, Chuck. Green Goop, my friend, as recently as <laughs> WrestleMania, uh, sliming Braun was kind of, I mean, what turned out to be the beginning of the end for for poor Braun Strowman. So, um, I mean, it, it just took so much edge off of him. That was such a silly, silly feud heading into to Mania with uh, Shane McMahon. So I, I think that uh, the bloom was definitely off of the rose with him at that point. So I'm going Green Goop. Green Goop definitely... Did not help him. That that dropped him way further. But he was on he was on the downhill, you know, before that. I think the downhill started a, a little bit before that Brock match. Maybe the first Brock match. Uh, it wasn't great balls of fire, was it? It was, it was one of those around that time when yeah, Brock beat Samoa Joe yeah. and then he beat Braun. Um, that's when Braun, because Braun had been pretty indestructible up until that point. That's when I thought you really started seeing the decline. But that Saudi Arabia match, definitely. I think every the original plan was for Braun to win that match. And that was changed, um, you know, pretty shortly before that. So I think once Lesnar won there, Braun just didn't come across as special anymore. And then he, he's never really been at that level since. I don't know if there was one particular moment that did it. I think they had a window of opportunity where if they would have put the belt on this guy, he would have been the hottest guy in the business. He had that classic match. It was like a fatal four-way. I believe it was SummerSlam 2019 or 18, where I think if he would have won that match, when I go back and watch that match, if he would have won that match, I think that might have been the point where they should have pulled the trigger on him because he was the most over guy in that match, and the crowd really wanted him to win it in Barclays that night. And then when they waited and waited and waited, it just became this thing where, okay, well, people are going to move on if he doesn't win that title. And I think that's just what happened with Braun, unfortunately. Uh, we have another super chat from uh, good friend John Brodigan. He says, Alfred's case from Braun Strowman to AEW has me convinced. I'm bullish on him, beardish on a Alistair Black now. He's bearish on Alistair Black now. So he doesn't like Alistair Black uh, as much as Braun Strowman to AEW, uh, which we'll see. We'll see how this whole thing plans out. But um, you did mention something, Chuck. Oh, we have another one? Yeah, we got one more. Looks like Nicholas says Miro and Lana versus Ford and Sabian would be a great feud. Hey, <laughs> if AEW continues with Miro bullying Sabian and turns Sabian face, I never thought about that. But you know what? If we're telling a story here, especially long term, I have no problem with that, to be honest. I just don't want too much comedy around Miro right now. He's doing a good job as a killer who's just fighting monsters. But I would have no problem with that, to be honest. Yeah, Miro you? should kill Sabian if they went in that direction. No question. Absolutely, 100%. No disrespect to Kasabian, just right now Miro's such 
a strong uh, character and, and the first well-booked monster they've had in a while. So I, I don't want to see that halted. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, uh, Chuck, you were mentioning AEW Rampage earlier. And uh, so we, AEW Rampage, of course, going to debut on Friday nights. Uh, AEW got its first taste of Friday nights this past week, unfortunately. And uh, partly because circumstances out of their control, AEW did not do well. They did a record low this past Friday for a preempted version of Dynamite. 526,000 viewers. This is down 36% uh, from a show that drew 821,000 on TNT uh, Wednesday. And then it also was at 0.2 in the 18 to 49 demographic. That is also down 28.6%. And I share this with you because, I mean, uh, we, I was talking about this with uh, Justin Labar on the last Wednesday pod that we did in terms of AEW going to Friday. That was one of our news items. And I did say that I was scared of AEW in this time slot because that 10 p.m. Eastern time slot on Friday nights, AEW has a younger audience that they're very good in 18 to 49, but that audience is out partying during that time. Uh, in addition, of course, they're going back uh, back um, head-to-head with the NBA playoffs, so that's hurting as well. But uh, AEW could find some tough sledding week after week after week in this Friday night time slot. What do you guys think about this rating for Dynamite? Is this cause for concern, Chuck? No, not the first go-round, because remember, you know, the the viewers right now are not accustomed to tuning in to Friday nights at 10 o'clock. They're used to Wednesdays at 8, right? So this, th- essentially, last Friday was a one-off, and even though they're going to be doing it for... Uh, the month of June, you really can't put too much stock into one night's numbers, especially at 10 p.m. on a Friday slot, right? That's so, so, so different from Wednesday night at 8. What you can say after another few weeks is then you look at the trends. Is that number holding steady? Are they shedding? Are they growing? That's when you can take a look at it. But if I'm AEW, if I'm Turner, I'm not worried in the least about the number that they posted last Friday. There, there's a few things to this. And real quick, I do have SmackDown, the final ratings uh, as well. SmackDown did 1.928 million viewers uh, this past Friday. Uh, you know, the overnight ratings are always going to be lower. And, and mm-hmm. uh, the final rating, it did 1.928 million viewers and a 0. 0.5 in 18 to 49. It's really good for Memorial Day weekend, in my opinion. It was basically steady with the last two weeks. Um, and, you know, uh, guys in the um, in the chat... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe SmackDown also went against the NBA and NHL. Um, of course, playoffs, of right? course they did. Yeah, yeah. NHL and, and AEW was that also against both of those? I'm sure there were some. Yes, there was. AEW was against the later playoff games. Okay, yeah. So, uh, so the the concern is not their number because even if they don't grow from that, that's a really good rating for TBS on a Friday night. Yeah. And as we've seen with SmackDown, Fox would rather have SmackDown on a Friday night where they're usually pretty weak and uh, as opposed to another night where SmackDown would do more viewers, but Fox already has strong programming on those nights. So from that aspect, if this is what TBS wants, you know, it's a good rating for a Friday night. I I believe it's definitely going to go up. They haven't even hyped Rampage yet. And, you know, they're going to have Mark Henry, uh, probably Chris Jericho on commentary. So, that's not the concern. Now, the one thing I saw was in the Observer. One of the things that noted was that what the reason why they were doing Rampage on a Friday night is to kind of get some of those SmackDown viewers. After they're done watching SmackDown, mm-hmm. they transfer over uh, to Rampage. Now, at least on this week, it didn't look like that happened uh, with SmackDown viewers going over to AEW Dynamite. And Tony Khan was even on Twitter doing the whole calling out Nick Khan thing. It was trending. Granted, social media is 
I think a smaller percentage of TV rating, uh, the TV rating world, uh, than I think some people realize, but you know, he tried and he tried to get some, he was trending. He called out Nick Khan, uh, but it didn't really translate to those viewers going over because we saw almost 2 million viewers for SmackDown, you know, 500,000 and change for, for Dynamite. So it just depends. If they're counting on those SmackDown viewers to go over, obviously we're going to need time to see if that ends up happening. But at least in this first week, that didn't appear to happen. And if that's the only reason they're doing Friday night, then maybe a Tuesday night is better. The last time they were on a Tuesday night, they did that, they did that one-hour special Dynamite. I don't know if you remember that. But they start at 12.38 a.m., two hours after this one. And they still did a better number and a .26 in the demo. So, it, But granted, that was also after an NBA game, so some of that carried over. But regardless, Friday at 10 p.m. doesn't seem like a good spot if they're just doing that to get those SmackDown viewers. Another, another caveat really quick in terms of Rampage airing is they're playing a very dangerous game. We're going to find out just how much wrestling fans can take in terms of pro wrestling content. You're coming at the end of a week where you've already aired nine hours of wrestling program and banking on them to go to a 10th hour. Like there might be a fatigue factor to where SmackDown is just the limit for a lot of people in terms of how much wrestling they're willing to, to gain. And if they're looking for that crossover audience, I mean, there's going to be a lot of people who are just like, you know what? Uh, it's Friday. I'm at the end of the week. I just saw SmackDown. I've done my watching of wrestling for the week. I'm not going to add another 10th hour. They've got to consider that too. Oh, absolutely. Fatigue is going to be a factor, but right now there's not much that you can do about the fatigue, given the fact that everybody's locked into these television deals, right? So the content's going to be there one way or the other. But if I'm AEW and I want to convert SmackDown viewers into Rampage viewers, what I'm doing is I am approaching local markets where SmackDown is doing well, and I am buying advertising time in local markets. The odds of Fox National selling them a commercial inventory is very, very low. But you can go to these local markets, which have far fewer restrictions, buy up the airtime during SmackDown, run a couple of ads there, and then get them over there. Imagine if the WWE uh, audience sees Chris Jericho, sees Big Show, sees Mark Henry, sees John Moxley on there, right? They're going to be like, what the crap? These guys are gone. We have to keep in mind that there's still a large percentage of that audience who has no idea that AEW is really even out there. So if you see these guys being advertised during the show that you watch every single week and it comes on right after that very show ends, I think that you're going to be more inclined to tune in at that point. And, and there are probably a, a decent, you know, a good number of I, I think I think most people probably know Jericho and, and Moxley. But what if you do get a Braun Strowman? And you have yeah. that ad airing during SmackDown. Yeah. You know, then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, whoa, I do got to see what, what is Braun doing there? Um, and, and, and that's where some of these releases might come in handy to get the that Rampage number up. So, yeah, nothing to worry about with this Friday. Just I just don't think uh, there's going to be that crossover to SmackDown unless they do like what Chuck was saying, that advertising uh, and, and push it hard in the, in the local markets. They can't do national advertising uh, because WWE, you know, they could block that. Fox would block it. So uh, they would have to hit the local cable stations in, and pick their markets. And a uh, super chat from Carmine Vittorio says, Black was one of the most underutilized talent. Do you think Braun stays in the business? And I want to remind you, the tweet that he sent, it said, like, what a chapter in life. Thank you. And that chapter in life thing kind of struck me as like an era of finality. I don't know if he's talking about wrestling at large or just WWE. I hope he doesn't leave the business. But what do you guys think? Raj, we'll start with you. Do you think Braun Strowman is now done? No, not at all. 
Chuck, <laughs> I should answer. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm trying to think of what else he could do outside of of wrestling, right? I mean, yeah. I don't think that he could transition really well into anything else. Um, so, yeah, I, I do see if he wants to continue to be in the spotlight, then wrestling is going to be it. Otherwise, he's going to have to go and get himself a nine to five job, and God only knows what that would be. Yeah, he 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 wasn't he didn't have any major scandals or anything like that. So it's not like there's not companies that wouldn't want him. So he could get a big money contract uh, from uh, gosh, New Japan. I'm sure would take him in a oh, second. Oh goodness, he would be he could be the world champion there. Like with the condition they're in, like I wouldn't be surprised if they put the title on him. Yeah. Uh, there's a plenty that he could. He's just got such an impressive look. He's such a big guy. And he, yeah, and he had great matches with Roman Reigns with the right opponent. Uh, he's shown he can go. We just saw um, that at the last pay per view. I thought he was incredible in that. Oh yeah, that was awesome. Ashley and uh, Drew McIntyre. Yeah, uh, we have Chris Pantaleo, friend of the show. Let's say NBC wants to buy WWE. Wouldn't they ask where certain stars are that maybe they saw featured, like Braun saying, "We paid for this." I don't think they pay attention to that. I mean, they're looking at you know the the ratings and, and those kind of numbers, not. You know, I'm sure someone like a a, a Rock or a Brock, if there if, if there was an opportunity to get them to come into the fold, they they'd be aware of that. But I don't think they pay attention to others. You know, the other stars. Right. right, right. It's not like Saudi Arabia requesting wrestlers of yesteryear and, and being plugged in. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, I, <laughs> I, I think you know the the only figure that uh, NBC Universal or any other buyer for that matter is going to care about is the bottom line. I always thought it'd be funny if they brought in War Horse to be the their ultimate warrior clone. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> we have a comment from Krona Shaw. It says, crazy how Bray Wyatt is the only one left from the Wyatt family day. WWE slogan, then, now, you're released. Oh, sad WWE. Well, that's actually an interesting name. I mean, how surprised would you guys have been if he was on that list of cuts today? I mean, they're not done yet. I'm not. Nothing will surprise me beyond now. And it, it's crazy. You spoke to this, and I thought you made a great point, Chuck, about the paranoia in wrestling now. A guy like Braun Strowman gets released. Everybody should be. I don't care who you are. Everybody should be paranoid uh, in terms of their job, their well-being. Their, WWE is clearly going the line, and they're not looking at who these people are. It's a new administration. Like they make too much money. They make too much money. We got to cut costs here. Got to cut costs there. You're a number right now. So everybody should be paranoid in WWE. Yeah, and uh, Mattman Radio, they were they were saying that there's still some releases to cut probably in, with NXT UK. So it's it's not done yet. I, I I would be surprised to see Bray, but I was surprised to see Braun. Yeah, uh, same boat. Like nothing would surprise me beyond this point if um if they went further with that. Um, but uh, that's uh, what we have for this breaking news pod. Do we have uh, some more comments? Uh, we got a couple more super chats. Uh, okay. Nicholas uh, McGinnis Shawlin saying, would we see a brand split with Dynamite and Rampage in years to come? I know, I, I honestly don't think they will because they don't want to copy WWE with the split. I, I don't see it. Yeah, no, no, that would go back to the point of trying to, like you just said, looking like WWE. You've seen the promotions in the past try to do that and how well that worked out. And AEW, even though they're bringing in former WWE talent, they are still the anti WWE promotion. So they're going to do everything they can not to copy them creatively. And it's never really worked. Um, you know, WCW almost did it with the NWO. They did kind of a trial run with that one episode of Nitro where the NWO came, ruined the set, and they took it over, and the ratings just plummeted, so they never went through with it. Um, you know, Raw and SmackDown, 
as soon as they did that, the popularity declined and they'd always just bring them back together. This is this is as long as they've gone without bringing them back together, I believe. Uh, we're going on five years now. But um, yeah, I, I, I just don't see it. And plus, it's too early to dilute that AEW brand. They haven't even really established what that brand is in terms of this solid kind of foundation, which they're still on their way to doing. But yeah. I don't think now or even within the next five years is the time to start splitting stuff up and sending people to different brands. Yeah, they need to grow and expand as opposed to dilute what they Absolutely. have. Absolutely right. Uh, Alejandro Villarreal saying, how would this affect NXT since, in my opinion, it's the best show of the company? I mean, we've already seen how it affected NXT. They literally cut NXT talent, you know, a couple of weeks ago. So this is definitely affecting them, too. Uh, I don't know if they're going to have another round of NXT cuts, but um, NXT and, is certainly feeling it, too. And Santana Garrett, you know, was one of the ones released. She was mostly on NXT. Apparently, uh, it was reported that she was actually supposed to be appearing on SmackDown soon. She yeah. was headed to the SmackDown brand. So they had plans for her as a couple of weeks ago, and, and they cut her. But, uh, you know, the, these cuts affect all the brands. So NXT, obviously the developmental talent are going to get it first that aren't as big as stars, but yeah. And and let me just throw a curveball into this conversation to kind of put a bow on it. What does this mean for a guy like Daniel Bryan, who WWE wants to come back, but he's going to command a high salary? Is this something that WWE would no longer be interested in because they're trying to keep their bottom line down? What do you think? Oh, I think they're very interested in Daniel Bryan. I think the reason that there is even talks with New Japan Pro Wrestling is because this stems from Daniel Bryan since he wants to go different places. And I don't think he's solely the reason they're talking to New Japan, but I do think that it has something to do with the fact that WWE is now wanting to partner with them. So I don't. I think WWE is going to go hard for Daniel Bryan. I think he's somebody they view as somebody they don't want going to the competition. But as we've seen from these cuts, there's plenty of people who they view, they don't care if they go to the competition. Yeah, and I think Daniel Bryan would probably be the biggest difference maker of all the talent, you know, that have been released. Uh, that you know that they, I, I think he is one that they would not want to see the competition picking up. And it's crazy that we're at this point because when AEW first came along a couple of years ago. WWE did not want to part ways with anybody. The Mike Kanellis right. of the world were making one and a half million dollars. And now it's completely different where they have this different regime. And it's just like, let them go. We don't care if you make too much money. You don't get to be here. So it's two completely different philosophies. And further reason to believe that there might be something more to this. Yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And finally, break them down. XSXX asking, can someone tell me why they're doing these ridiculous releases? Well, you, you got to rewind and go back. Rewind and go back to the beginning of the podcast. And yes, Daniel Bryan wasn't released; his contract was up. Uh, but as far as all the talents that were released that are free agents now or are going to be in the next few months, Daniel Bryan would be the the biggest one. Or oh, and of course, obviously Brock Lesnar. But that's I don't see that ever happening. Well, this looks like uh, the end. Wow, very lively show. I had a good time. Great turnout. Uh, great Super Chats. You guys were great as always. Thanks for joining us midday. Uh, we will be back uh, this Friday for SmackDown, and uh, we will see you guys around the corner. Bye, everybody. <laughs>